Well, good morning, Gateway Taze Valley. How's everyone today? Great. Great to be here. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for making Easter service here part of your day. We're honored that you're here. And you know, it's amazing, but millions of Christians all over the world are celebrating the greatest event that's ever happened in history this morning. Amen? Amen. And of course, I'm talking about that day, three days after the crucifixion and death, when Jesus came up out of that tomb, when that stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. He had risen just as he said, and he's alive and well today. And because of that, we're here. Because that tomb was empty on that first Easter, you and I have the hope of eternal life. Amen. And because of that, we have the hope of living with our Father in heaven forever. Amen. You know, a Sunday school teacher asked her class, why do we celebrate Easter? And she got a variety of answers. One kid said, well, it's because of the Easter bunny. Another kid said, well, it's because of all the Easter eggs. Another one said, well, it's the candy, or maybe it's springtime. And the teacher said, no, no, those are Easter symbols or traditions. But why do we celebrate Easter? What happened on the first Easter? And finally, a little girl raised her hand. The teacher called on her, and the little girl said, Easter celebrates Jesus coming out of the tomb. Yes, the teacher said, and she was so excited to get the right answer, and the, the little girl could sense the teacher's optimism, so she decided she would keep going, and she said, and not only that, but then Jesus looks around to see if he can see his shadow, and if he can, then we have six more weeks of winter. I think winter's finally behind us. What do you guys think? Hopefully so. If you look at the forecast this week, it looks pretty promising. We've got some great weather in store, so make sure you enjoy that. But we're thankful you're here today. Today, we want to celebrate the goodness and the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. And today's a special day for all Christians, but every Sunday's a special day for Christians. Amen? Today is a very special day for our campus in Marmette. Gateway Marmette meets up in Canal County. After almost eight months of having services on Sunday evenings, they're back open for morning business. And so we're thankful. Let's give a round of applause for Marmette. We're going to see great things happening up there. And you know, this is big today because today, unfortunately, we don't see a lot of church expansion or a lot of church growth. In fact, you kind of see it heading in the other direction. You know, Christians, churches have always been under attack by Satan, haven't they? You know, the Christian... The world's always been a hard place for the Christian to be. And people who follow Christ have been ridiculed and criticized and even persecuted for centuries. And this world has many disgusting things that happen. We see mass shootings and school shootings now almost weekly, if not daily. And you might ask yourself, how do we keep going in this world when things here are so bad? How do we face it? We only face it with the power and security and confidence we have in being a child of God. Amen? Amen? But unfortunately, with all the stuff happening in the world, we don't really see the world flocking to the church to escape the terrors of the world. You know, in fact, thousands of churches across the country will probably close their doors this year. 
And for some, maybe it's because they haven't had the ability to make the changes necessary to, to reach people in today's world. Or maybe the devil has kind of lulled them into a false sense of security that they just want to keep on doing things the way they've always done them. But you know, a recent Pew Research Center poll of Americans found that the number of people who think religion is important is actually heading in a negative direction in our country. That means fewer and fewer people believe that having faith is important or that going to church is important. And you might find this ironic, especially after we've just come off a worldwide pandemic, right? These last few years have been tough. And depression, anxiety, mental health issues are higher than they've ever been. And we live in a world where there's little to no respect for life. I mean, when a person can take a gun and shoot helpless nine-year-olds, man, that's a darkness that only comes from Satan, right? Listen to me this morning when I say, our world needs Jesus more today than ever. Do you agree with me? Our world needs Jesus today more than ever. He is the only way to escape the evils of this world. His death at Calvary, that's our only hope. His death was substitutionary. That means that he actually took our place. That should have been me. That should have been you nailed to that cross. But Jesus took the penalty for us. Peter writes about it in 1 Peter 2, verse 24, where he says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. You know, a question that we ask ourselves sometimes, or maybe we hear other people ask, am I right with God? Have you guys ever asked those questions or had people ask those questions? Am I right with God? That's a question that we ask a lot or we hear asked a lot, and there's a lot of answers to that question. Whether you have a spiritual background or not, you probably have an answer for that question. Some people believe that all roads lead to God. That as long as you are sincere, it doesn't really matter what you believe or how you believe. Just do what makes you feel good. That's called the feel-good theology if you're looking for a name for it. And, and we see a lot of that out there. But we hear the question asked, am I right with God? You might hear this at a funeral. Maybe if the person who's deceased was a Christian... People might even ask themselves, am I right with God like I know grandma was or like I know dad was or mom was? Are you right with God? Let's all ask ourselves that question internally this morning because it's no mistake you're here today. You're not just here by happenstance or coincidence. It's no coincidence you came through those doors today. You're here for a purpose. Ask yourself that question, am I right with God? You know, here at Gateway, we're in a year-long theme called Foundations, and it's our attempt to build and rebuild and strengthen the spiritual foundations in our lives. We think that in a culture that is far away from God, it's important that we know what we believe, and it matters what we put into the hearts and the minds of our children and our grandchildren. We want them to grow up with strong convictions about the existence of God, about our purpose in this life. And we want them to know why he sent his son to die on that cross. And you know where we get the answer to that question? Probably the most popular piece of scripture of all time. Anybody want to guess what it is? 
John 3.16. Read it with me this morning. It'll be on the screen here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world and he sent his son. You know, when Christ was here on earth, he talked to a woman named Martha who was grieving the loss of her brother. And here's what Jesus said in John 11, 25 through 26. He tells her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. You know, that sounds a lot like this eternal life Christ came to give us, doesn't it? So how do we get it? How do we get this eternal life that Christ came to give? Well, his disciples had a lot of questions, just like we have a lot of questions. And Jesus told him something very important in John 14, 6. And I've shared with the St. Albans campus, this, this passage of scripture here is very, very meaningful to me because my grandma who died of Alzheimer's, when she couldn't remember us, she still remembered this passage of scripture and she would tell it to everyone who came into her room. This is a powerful verse. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So to me, it seems like the way to get right with God has a lot to do with his son, Jesus. What do you think? That's fair to say, right? Now, you might say that there's some good or some truth in every religion, but when you compare all other worldly religions with Christianity, they don't hold a candle to what Jesus offers. Think about that. If you contrast all the other faiths with Christianity, Christianity wins every time because we have a personal God who sent his son to this earth to become like us, to take on human form, to experience the things we experienced. And he died in our place for our sins. But he rose up out of that grave. And we are made right with God, not, with, not because of deities or idols or religious performances of some kind, but we are made right with God because of our faith and our obedience to Jesus Christ. No other religion makes the claim of a living Savior like we do. So thank God this morning for the resurrection of Christ. And our God is alive and well. Do you believe that today? Our God is alive and well. But you know, we don't always struggle with other religions in our daily walk. One of the things we struggle with a lot in our lives is kind of making ourselves our own God doing the things we want to do, living life the way we want to live life, thinking we have all the answers without looking at what God has to say or spending time in prayer and meditation. And these, these things seem like a good idea at first, but it's so dangerous. And it's not what God intended. We're kind of like five-year-old Brian. Five-year-old Brian had a very pivotal part in the church Easter program. He had to recite Luke 24, 6. And Luke 24, 6 says, he is not here, he is risen. Well, Brian was ready to recite his line and he got a little stage fright and he forgot it. And he stood there trembling with the microphone and the director leans over and whispers, he's not here, he's risen. Brian, hearing those words, gets some confidence and he bellows out, he's not here, he's in prison. <laughs> Do you ever feel like you're in prison? Spiritually speaking, you know, apart from God, 
we are in prison. We want to do what pleases ourselves and thinks, sometimes we think maybe we don't answer to anybody and this might seem nice when we're young or immature, but we eventually realize that is a hollow way of life. It is a empty way of life. It doesn't fill our lives like only God can. So let me ask you a question this morning. No matter where you are on your, in your spiritual walk, if you have a walk at all, let me ask you this question. Are you tired of doing things the world's way? Are you tired of living life the way the world wants you to live it? Are you tired of trying to do it on your own? Are you exhausted with what this world has to offer for you and your family and your grandchildren? Are you tired of being imprisoned by your sin? I know many are. So on this Easter Sunday morning, in an attempt to build and rebuild and strengthen our foundations, I want us all to consider Jesus. Whether you've been a Christian for 50 years, five minutes, or not yet, wipe everything else out of your mind right now. Don't think about that cookout here in a little while. I promise you'll get there soon. Don't think about that strawberry pie or those steaks that are ready to grill. Don't think about those bills on the counter at home or the problems you're dealing with in your job or your family. Just let's all take a collective deep breath. Do it with me. Aren't you thankful in a post-pandemic society we can do that? Collective deep breath. And let's all just consider Jesus this morning for the rest of our time here together. We're going to talk about three points. And the first point is we want to consider his ministry. You know, the Gospel of Mark paints a good picture of what Jesus' ministry was all about. And if you're not real familiar with the Bible and you don't know where to start or you're wondering where to start, the Gospel of Mark is a great book to read first because it's clear, it's concise, and it gives you a great picture of what the ministry of Jesus is all about. We're going to read Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 15. And as he reclined at a table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." This is incredible, isn't it? The Savior of the world says these words. I didn't come to call the righteous, but I came for the sinners. Jesus came for people like you and me, people who need help, people who need forgiveness, people who need grace and mercy. He didn't come for those who had it all together. You know, Jesus actually came for the people the religious leaders rejected. You know, when the religious people said, we're too good for these people, or they're not good enough for us, or they're not holy enough, or righteous enough, or clean enough. Jesus said, those are the people I came here for. I came for you. I came for those that everyone else despised. He welcomed people that others turned away. Jesus didn't come for those who are perfect. And as his followers, we're not perfect either. Can I get an amen on that? Can I get a better amen? Amen, right? We're all messed up, right? We all sin. We all fall short. And the truth is we all need a Savior. So if you're here for the first time today, we hope you've been made to feel welcome. We hope you're comfortable here. 
because we are all sinners who need a savior and we're just doing our best to live the life he wants us to live. And if you're here this morning and you are perfect, just keep polishing your halo and go down the street somewhere where the perfect people are because that's not here, right? But we strive to grow every day into the men and women God wants us to be. And hopefully we're better tomorrow than we were yesterday. Hopefully we'll be better next week than we were last week. But this side of eternity, we will not achieve perfection. Jesus came to be a perfect savior for imperfect people. We want to be and strive to be the perfect church for imperfect people. The ministry of Jesus is to imperfect people, to all of us. Next, we want to consider point number two, his miracles. Not only was Jesus' ministry aimed toward sinners, but he also performed a lot of miracles when he was with them. And, and you know, you, you look at Scripture, and there's all kinds of miracles mentioned in Scripture. And by the power of God, Jesus did a lot of unexplainable things, right? Things that human logic just can't understand. Uh, incredible things. And these were done to confirm this is from God. This message is from God. The Greek word for miracle is dunamis. And in the English language, that's where we get the word dynamite. So you might say the Bible is full of dynamite stuff or explosive stuff that God did to intervene into the normal course of life. And Jesus, being God's son, performed all kinds of miracles. He, his first miracle, you remember what it was? It was turning water into wine. Uh, we see Jesus opening eyes of people who could never see. He, he, he was able to help people hear that had been deaf their whole lives. He opened mouths of folks that had never been able to speak. He made paralyzed people get up and walk. He multiplied a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish into a meal that fed thousands of people and there were leftovers. How many people like leftovers? Hopefully you'll have some today after your cookouts, right? But that's what he did. He healed people who were sick. And he cast out demons. And the interesting thing about Jesus' miracles is that the detractors, the people who were trying to discredit him, they never debated the validity of the miracles. Because people all over knew these things were happening. They knew they were real. And people were talking about it. And the religious leaders, they just wanted Jesus to stop, right? They just wanted him to go away. He was drawing crowds and he was upsetting their, their apple cart. He was threatening their power. And you do miracles like he did and word is going to get out. And if you think about it, many of us, are examples of Jesus' miracles today. I mean, how many people can say, this is who I was, this is the way I was, these are the things I did before Jesus, but because I'm a Christian, because he's transformed me, I now don't do those things, and this is the way that I am, right? Before I was somebody who maybe was addicted to sin, drugs, alcohol, whatever, to pleasing only myself, but now I do God's work and I try to serve him. I had a heart that was full of hatred and discrimination before, but now my heart's full of grace and love only because of the power of Jesus to change your life. The Christian is changed because of the ministry of Jesus and the miracles of Jesus. But the greatest miracle of all is his resurrection, right? That's his greatest miracle. That's the greatest miracle of all time. 
You know, his virgin birth, also a miracle, is absolutely necessary to our faith. And Jesus, we know as he walked on this earth, he was sinless, which made him the perfect sacrifice for people who are full of sin. And Jesus died on a cross to pay for our sins. And his resurrection enacts that forgiveness. It was brought about on the cross. And you know, without the resurrection, Jesus would be nothing more than a good man who did some great things and died a natural death or a final death. In fact, the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Then down to verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of most people to be pitied. Paul already made the point before this that Christ had indeed raised from the dead. There were hundreds of eyewitnesses to this. Think about that. Eyewitnesses are so important, right? There's nothing better than an eyewitness. As a car wreck lawyer, I love it when an eyewitness says the same thing my client says. It makes my job a whole lot easier, right? Eyewitnesses are important. There's nothing better for your case than an eyewitness. And while one or two or even 12 could be discredited, Pretty hard to debate with hundreds of eyewitnesses, isn't it? Pretty hard to discredit them. You see, these folks saw Jesus before he died. Many of them spent three years with him during his ministry. And they saw him die. Think about that. You know, there's people who try to discredit Jesus and say he didn't really die, but he just fell asleep because of the torture. And then when he got in the tomb, after he rested a while, he was able to get up, but he never actually died. But these eyewitnesses saw something different. They saw him whipped and beaten beyond recognition. They saw him stumble under the weight of the cross as he carried it. They saw his body actually nailed to the cross. They saw the soldier's spear stab him in the side. They heard him ask for a drink of water. They heard him look up toward heaven and say, Father, forgive them. What's the rest of it? They don't know what they're doing. These people heard that. They heard him too say, it is finished. Into your hands, God, I commit my spirit. Plenty of people saw him die this cruel, torturous death. And then plenty of people saw him alive and well three days after. Amen. All these eyewitnesses saw this, and all these eyewitnesses, especially the disciples, gave their lives for the cause of Christ. And 11 out of 12 died the death of a martyr. Why were they willing to die such horrible deaths? Because they saw the events of Jesus happen before their eyes. No one would agree to die a cruel, torturous death based on a lie, right? But they knew the truth. You guys remember Doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas is a lot like Matt Oliver some of the times. I want to believe. I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. But I also want to see the evidence. Anybody else like that? Anybody like to see the evidence? Well, I'm thankful for the example of Thomas. But we know Thomas said, Lord, I, I want to see. Let me see the nail prints in your hands. Let me see your side. And then I'll believe. And of course, Jesus said, look, you can see. You can touch. Thomas needed more 
And some of us are like that. But you know what Dowling Thomas ended up doing after the resurrection? Well, this isn't scripture, but early church history and tradition tell us that Thomas actually went to, to share the gospel in India. He was the first evangelist in India. That's how much this doubter ultimately believed. And when he was in India, they came to him and they said, Thomas, if you deny Jesus and stop this, we will let you live. But if you keep up with this Jesus stuff, we're going to kill you. And you know what Thomas said? Again, history tells us, Thomas' response to that was, I will never deny the faith of the one who died and rose again for me. I will stand by him for the rest of my life. So you know what they did? They took a stake and they drove it through Thomas's body. They impaled him because of his faith in Christ. Why would he die such a terrible death? Because he was an eyewitness that that tomb was empty. Amen? He knew that tomb was empty and that Christ was risen from the dead. You know, after the resurrection, the early church was born and 3,000 people responded to Peter's gospel invitation to repent and be baptized. And they received the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached in Acts 3.15 to the Jewish audience. He said, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. The church grew exponentially. And over 2,000 years later, here we are, amen? Here we are celebrating the empty tomb. Jesus is not there. He is risen from the dead just like he said he would. So consider Jesus. Consider his ministry that it was for all people. Consider his miracles, especially the resurrection. And third, consider his message. What's his message? Well, again, let's go back to one of the verses we talked about earlier. John 14, 6. Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's this mean? Well, it means that he is the only way to have access to God the Father. What does it mean to be the way to something? Well, let's think about this. I'm going to present you with two scenarios this morning. The first scenario is, imagine you're in a strange town. And you're trying to find the church building. And this was a time before iPhone and GPS. Did anybody live before iPhone and GPS? I mean, I know a lot of us were alive, but did we really live before iPhone and GPS, right? So imagine you don't have those things, right? And you see a man walking on the side of the road, and you roll the window down, and you say, hey, buddy, how do I get to the church building? And the man looks at you and he says, well, you go down to the stop sign, turn right, go three miles, turn by the old oak tree, go through the light, pass the bar on your left, turn right at the courthouse, go one mile down, the church building's on your right. Did you get all that? Right? All right, let's consider the second scenario. You're still in this strange town. You still are looking for the church building. You still don't have an iPhone. And you see the man, you roll your window down, you say, hey, how do I get to the church building? This time the guy says, well, I'm walking to my car. Let me get in my car and you can follow me and I'll take you to the church building. And the man does that and you arrive at the church building. What's the difference between these two scenarios? 
You see, in the first scenario, the man told you about the way. But in the second scenario, the man was the way, right? That's the God we serve. This is our Savior. He didn't just come to tell us about the way, although he did, but he did much more than that. He came because he is the way. And we get to God the Father by following him. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 5.1, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, the way, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Jesus is the way. The only way to God the Father. The only way to eternal life in heaven. Nowhere does it say in Scripture that we are made right with God by being good enough, right? Nowhere in Scripture are we told that we're made right with God by not being bad, that we're made right with God by only using good words on the golf course, right? Or that we're only made right with God if we don't have a fight with our kids in the car on the way to church and then tell them to be nice when we get here. Is that, is that just my car? You all know what I'm talking about, right? So we don't, we're not made right just by being good. We're made right with God by being faithful and obedient to Jesus Christ. Amen. We've been justified by faith, faith in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter where you are or who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been, how bad your life is messed up right now. It doesn't matter how many people you've hurt or how public or private your sins are. Jesus's forgiveness is for you too. Amen? So we're not made right by being good enough. We're made right with God through Jesus because he was perfect. And only through him can we ever be good enough. Not because of us, but because of him. It doesn't mean that we just keep living life the same old way the world lives. We're changed. We're transformed. We live a new life, a life walking with Christ in his spirit and in his light. But we can never do any of that alone. People often will tell me, I'll go to church when I get my life straightened up. You ever heard that? And the thing about that is the only way to get our lives straightened up is having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. It starts there. None of us have ever cleaned anything up apart from Christ because without him, we're lost. He took the penalty. He paid the price on Calvary's cross. And three days later, he came up out of that grave to prove who he is and to validate his account. And that is why he is the way and the only way to heaven. So I ask a question I asked a little while ago. Are you tired of living the way this world tells you to live? Are you sick and exhausted of what this world has to offer? If so, consider Jesus. Consider his ministry. Consider his miracles. Consider his message. And consider that he alone has the power to transform your life. And he alone is the way to heaven. If you want forgiveness, if you want salvation, if you want to be in heaven for eternity with God, then consider Jesus, because he's the only way. That's the Easter message we want to share with you today. And that's the message we hope you will go out there and share when you're around your friends and your family and your coworkers and your classmates and wherever your life takes you this week. 
when you're in conversations with people who share their struggles with you and their worries, tell them, consider Jesus because he's the answer to every problem we face here on this earth. Amen. Let's spread his word. Let's be his light. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this Easter Sunday, Lord, when so much of this world is focused on you and your son, Father. Focused on the life he lived, focused on the death he died, but most importantly, Father, focused on the fact that he defeated death. And because of him, we can too. God, be with us. Be with our hearts. Be with every heart who's here today, Lord. And I pray that we will do what's necessary in our lives to make sure we are right with you. Father, I pray that we will be able to answer that question with a resounding yes. And I pray, Father, that we will help other people see that too. Guide us this week. Protect us, Lord. Help us to be lights for your kingdom. We thank you so much for Jesus, where all of our forgiveness comes. And it's in his glorious name we pray. Amen. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never become a Christian and been baptized into Christ, we'd love to help you with that today. If you are a Christian and you're looking for a church home, we'd love to partner with you and have you part of Gateway. So if you have questions about that or want to talk about your next steps, we're here for that too. If there's any needs you have, we're here to help meet needs. If there's any way we can help you this morning, just come down front and talk to me as we stand and the band leads us in our last song.